0: Matthew, chapter 6, and we'll begin in verse 19. What about worry is the title. It's going to be the nucleus of what we get to. It's going to take us a while to get there. The way Jesus has laid it out, He wants to bring us up to that subject As I begin this morning, I must begin with a warning for all of us. You may be sitting very close to someone who suffers from myopia. Go ahead and look around, see if you can see. Because someone's probably suffering from myopia this morning. Don't worry, this is not contagious. This is a situation where someone suffers from nearsightedness. I don't think you can contract nearsightedness from someone, but someone's probably suffering from myopia this morning. It just means that you can only see what is near and close to you very clearly. It means that if you want to see something that is afar off, you need to take out your binoculars in the form of eyeglasses and put them on to simply be able to see it. You know, we can also use this term concerning someone's life and not just their sight. There are those who are short-sighted in life. They cannot see the big picture of what really matters and what is most important. Living in the moment. Instant gratification is what it's called today. I want it here. I want it now. I want it for me. It's all about me. It's all about this life only. Let's take a look at the condition of poor sight in life as we start in verse 19. The first thing we're going to see is the corruption of sight. Verse 19 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt. You know, we... We use things and we enjoy some things in this life and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. But to have the nearsightedness of earthly things as in becoming consumed with them and that is all life is about. It's taking up all of our time. It's taking up all of our energy and our money. This is going to absolutely leave a life with absolutely nothing. The Lord is bringing to our mind here the perishable things that are upon this earth. The material things that do not last. You see the words moth and you see the word rust there in the verse. Both of these things eat into something they eat into something until they eat it away and it's almost gone right down to nothing and when you think about it everything upon this earth is going to have wear and tear that steadily comes upon them about 10 years ago I was in need of a pair of shoes and I was shopping along the lines of what I thought I would be able to get in a pair of shoes. And I found a really, really good pair of shoes for a price I was able to to get them for. I don't know if they were last year's model. I don't know what the situation is. They weren't two left shoes or anything like that. They worked and they fit. And man, they Felt good. I thought I was set on tan dress shoes for the rest of my life. These things are good. I've heard about them. I've never owned a pair. Let's see what happens. They're going to last me the rest of my life. I've I've worn them for 10 years. And my mama came to stay with us a couple of weeks ago. And she looked at my feet as I put on my broken, comfortable shoes. And she said, "Um, Son you need a new pair of shoes uh we're gonna go get a new pair of shoes right now as long as you retire those and you're done with mom come on are you kidding me and and i got to looking at them and she was right they didn't last as long as i thought they were going to and i got a new pair of shoes they aren't as good as those but they're going to last a while But it's the cycle that goes over and over. Everything wears out. Wear and tear comes over everything, okay? Now, Now, that's not the only thing that is said about these earthly things. We go on to where thieves break through and steal. We know and at least hear about that all too well today. I have a friend that owns a business in the city of Humble, and I went to visit him about a month ago, and... I noticed a, a stack of pink slips on the side of his desk and, and they looked like some kind of citations or fines. I said, what are, what are those? And my friend said, well, those are the burglar reports for every time I've been broken into this year in the company. It was about six months into the year. And he had a tall stack of those things. So so what do we say? What do we understand about the things of this earth? They either get to a place where they're out of order or they they fall out of sight for some reason or another. This is what Jesus is telling us about these things. So we see the corruption of sight, but let's move on so that we can get to our main point. Let's look at the correction of sight in verse 20 but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through or steal. Jesus turns our focus to the imperishable things. The things of eternity. Those things that we can't see, we can't even picture yet, but they're going to last forever. The things that we're always going to have in heaven. The things no one can steal. The things that are not temporary. What's of eternal value. We must bring into sight through the eyes of faith the worth of those things that are at a distance right now, but they will soon be coming. And that's what we're soon going to have for our service and our faithfulness and our focus to the Lord Jesus Christ. A correction of sight places our eyes of faith on those things that are eternal. A corruption of sight, and then Jesus is always faithful to give the correction. We have a correction of sight. While this is the subject today that Jesus has for us, we must stop and ask ourselves the question... Where do we stand on this subject? The mention of the word treasures. What comes to our minds when we hear this? One thing or another because and this is a serious subject, because it 's so much more than well, I just went a little overboard on this earth, and I lost some of my focus, and i 'm just not going to have that many treasures in heaven okay so so it 's a little uneven it 's just so much more important than that, and there's something more to that that Jesus lets us know, and that is going to be the character from whichever sight we have look at verse 21 it says for where your treasure is there will your heart be also whether we invest our lives here or whether we invest it in heaven whatever it is it's going to develop the character that we have in our lives I saw a commercial a few years ago and it's there's soccer families around the soccer field and there's some kids on the soccer field and all of a sudden there's this donut with legs running down the soccer field and then the other way there's this dill of french fries with legs running down the field and I have no idea what the commercial was for but I remember what somebody said after that. Well, you are what you eat. We become... Whatever our passions and whatever our desires are, it becomes built into us. It becomes who we are. So Jesus clearly wants us to answer this question this morning. What do we value the most? Someone said, what a man loves, that is his God. A serious thing and subject for you and I to contemplate. But let's go into the clarity of sight. You see verse 22 there. And you see verse 23 there. And in verse 22, you're going to see a word for the eye and it's called single. And then in verse 23, you're going to see a word for the eye and it is called evil. You're going to see both of those. And and the eye here refers to our goal in life and they're described two different ways here. We have first the eye, that is single There must be a singular focus on our Father. There must be a singular focus on our Lord. He is a jealous God, and He wants all of our attention, and He demands our focus. The eye must be single. That's obviously the good thing that we're to see. And then there is the evil eye. And that evil eye has the idea of double vision, a double standard, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, the Bible says. So we have this, this doubleness here. Unfortunately, King Saul is a good example of this double vision. He, he wanted to partly obey God. He wanted to partly tell the truth, but he also, he also wanted to do what he wanted to do. He had his eye on these animals. Man, these animals, these are some good Top-notch animals here. We, we've got to do something else with these besides what God said. I know what He said. So he halfway obeyed God. You take a man in the Bible named Demas. Demas is mentioned only by Paul and he's mentioned three times. And Demas is a good example of the single eye in the fact that the first time Paul ever mentioned him, Demas was a man that was called a fellow laborer. And he was in the midst of several top-notch Christians, if you will, that were mentioned there. He was a fellow laborer along with them. He had a single eye devoted to God. And then the next time Demas is mentioned, he's mentioned in a group of Christians. There's, an, there's, a, there's a spiritual ad, adjective added to the names of all of them. There was there was uh, my beloved, my fellow laborer, my fellow servant, all of these things. But Demas was mentioned last, and Demas had nothing beside his name whatsoever. Demas was fading, and his vision was changing. He was starting to go from a single eye to an evil eye. And the last time that he's mentioned, when Paul mentions Demas to Timothy, he says, he has forsaken me, having loved this present evil world so we have an example of the fading process that happened with the child of god our sight is so so very important in our lives and and how we how we focus our lives and what we focus them on. Verse 24, verse we're all familiar with, it sums up these two eyes well. It sums up the treasures on this earth or treasures in heaven very well. We've heard it. It says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve both God and mammon. God demands that you and I have a single eye for him. And it's the very, anything God demands of us, it is the very best thing for us. That, that, that our eternal God would be our master. That the things of this earth would not be what reigns over us, but that our God would be our master. That we would desire the, the non-fading, the, non, the non-tarnishing things of heaven that He has in store for you and I. If God is truly our master, praise Him. We've overcome this poor sight. Because we all begin with the poor sight, but we overcome it when our focus is on our God. But and not only that, we are saved from a paralyzing sickness. Don't you know worry is a paralyzing sickness? Verses twenty-five through thirty-two. We're going to go ahead and read these, and then we're going to pick some things out of them. Jesus says, "Therefore I say unto you." Take no thought for your life. What ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put in it, is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking one thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of Or what shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all of these things. A paralyzing sickness. Two friends were talking one day. And they were so close. One could look at the other's face and tell that something was wrong. And he said, it looks like you've got a load on your mind. It looks like you are worried. The other friend says, you don't know the half of it. If one more thing goes wrong today, I'm not going to be able to get around to worrying about it for two more weeks. A paralyzing sickness. If we let, Let's connect all this together. If you and I, if we are nearsighted, if we have this myopia problem, invested in the shaky, the unstable, corrupting, corroding, disappearing things of this world, worry is sure to accompany. If we are invested in insecure things, Things the Lord demands here that you and I do not serve the material things to not make those things our focus, and as He transitions us from that, He continues with telling us don 't worry about the material necessities of life don 't worry about these don 't invest in these things with, with all that you have, and don 't worry over these things. Five times in ten verses from 25 to 34, we have the phrase of taking thought. It's phrased differently a few times in take no thought or taking thought. And, and this word in the original language, it's speaking of the overwhelming concern and anxiety about the necessities of our physical life on this earth. There is unfortunately a division that is going on within us if we have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ to save our soul from hell and give us a home in heaven and the forgiveness of all of our sins, but we are not trusting in Him to provide for us what He promised that we would be able to have in this world to supply our needs. Our joy in the Lord is not to be disturbed by what He promises to you and I. We're to have a constant peace over this. And we have a couple of preventatives that the Lord has given us as He's putting our mind on this this morning. A couple of preventatives from this paralyzing sickness of worry. I invite you to the end of verse 25, where Jesus says, Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Okay? So now our God has given us life. He has given us our body. We have life and a body that we're living it in because He gave it to us. Will he resist, now that we're here and now that we're alive to operate and function in this world, will he resist the lesser things that we have need of? Take that as a preventative for this worry. We see in verse 26 the birds. The birds do not sow. The birds do not reap. The birds do not store up. Yet our Father keeps on feeding them. Of course we need to add in, he does not put the, the worm in the nest, they go out and they get that worm, and, and you know, and all along that thought, we do have the privilege and the opportunity to be able to reap and to sow and to be wise and to store up. He does let us do that. I remember a horrible time some 10 years ago where I had a negative attitude about work, but something shocked my heart and shocked my mind and made me wake up every morning so thankful and blessed to be able to work. It is so satisfying to work hard. We are able to work hard. God gives us that to do. That is not a curse. That's a blessing for us to be able to do that. And along with that, we get to do that. He blesses that. And we're better than the birds okay what a great preventative he's given us through giving us a body giving us life we're better he uses the birds we're better than the birds Jesus would have us to consider his care of that fowl of the air that is less important than us and for have, to have you and I to know that He's going to take care of you and I. The wildflowers up and down the highway. Make fun of me if you want. Make fun of Nolan and I, but we like the flowers and the plants and all of this kind of stuff. All right. And they're be- you got to admit they're beautiful up and down the highway. The, the, the highwaymen are there. They, they might be fixing holes in the concrete, but they're not taking care of those flowers. That's what the Lord is doing. He's taking care of those things. Shall He not much more take care of you and I? Take these preventatives and absorb them in your heart. How could we continue an anxiety over the promises of His care for all of us? Now I invite you to the end of verse 30. Where Jesus is talking to his children and he titles them and says to them, O ye of little faith, let us not see this as a sharp rebuke, but altogether this is coming together as a help for you and I, as a help for God's people to shake off what is going to be the continuous Temptation to fall into worry and to fall into anxiety over the needs of our lives. He would have us to focus on this promise that we have over worry. It, it reminds me of the man that was running through the airport and he, he's late for his flight and he's going with his luggage and he's trying to not hit people with his luggage as he's flying through the people and he's, he's huffing and puffing and he's in shape about like me so he's breathing hard halfway through the airport and he's stopped by a man that looks real official. He's in an airline uniform of some sort and he says, sir, can I help you? And he says, not right now. I've got to go. I'm about to miss my flight. It's flight so-and-so on this airline. And, 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 and so thank you, but i got to go. He says, no, stop. Wait just a minute. Relax a little and slow down. That plane's not going anywhere because I'm the pilot of that plane. And dear friends, you and I, we have a pilot, okay? And, and this pilot has promised to take care of you and I. I want, I, I'm not trying to belittle anything we go through. There are things that try to cause the stress and pressure and anxiety, anxiety to rise. Yes, it does. But I tell you, God knows about every bit of it. He knows in this moment what you are going through right now. He knows what the next minute holds. He knows what the next hour holds. He knows what tomorrow holds next month, next year of your life, and guess what? He's not stressed out, not one little bit. He's relaxed. I teach teenagers sometimes, so let me say this. He's chill. Alright? Is that enough? So that you and I might chill out? Because He doesn't break promises. He will take care of your needs. There's no better medicine for our anxiety than this. He's faithful. You can trust Him. He is your pilot. That's taking us into a prescribed solution. Verse 33 and 34. But seek ye first the kingdom of God... And his righteousness, and all these things, shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought, no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's that's different from what they what is said about the Gentiles here. Go back to verse thirty-two. For for after all these things, uh, for after all these things. Do the Gentiles seek? They don't pass go. They don't collect $200. They go straight to, I need my need to be met. I'm looking at the things in this world and they, and I need to get them. I need the provision. I need to get my security from those things. Those things that are unstable. Those things that wear away. That's what, that's what the Gentiles seek after. But, but you, children of God, seek ye first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. He knows what we have need of before we ask. How about that? You like apples? How about those apples? He knows what we have need of before we ask. He knows what we need... More than we ourselves know what we need. He knows we were made by Him. We were made for Him. We were made to love Him. We were made to praise Him. We were prayed to praise. We were made to serve Him. We were made to seek Him. Seek ye first. Now now Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. So when you were saved, He was actually seeking you. He seeks everyone with the almighty, powerful dynamite of the gospel. And so He sought you out whenever He saved you. Now He would have you to seek Him for lesser than what your salvation took. So much lesser than what your salvation took. We were made to seek Him. Will you seek Him? Why wouldn't we? Seek Him. He's actively concerned about your needs. Do do you believe that? Will you own that in your soul this morning? He is actively concerned about your needs. He's capable of securing the perfect, exact well-being that is tailor-made for your life. He does that. Christians, we are placed upon this earth for a while and we are clothed in this flesh and we have our limitations. We also have responsibilities. We have duties. We need to be examples one to another. The stronger need to be a support for the weaker to be able to lean on. We need to wear a lot of hats. And there's a lot of things for you and I to do while we are on this earth. We're obligated to do it. And and I could go on and on with the list of, of all the things that we need to do. But we were never ever meant to deal with the things of life that we have to deal with on our own. You are not a failure just because the weight gets heavy. You are not a failure just because things try to come over you and overwhelm you. You were never meant to deal with that by yourself. You turn to your Almighty God and you stand on His precious promises and He takes you through it. He's the one that you cannot do it without divine aid. You were never meant to. Will you give Him your cares? Will you turn to Him and rely on His all-sufficient strength? Make no mistake about it. You do the part that you can do. And you give God the part that you can't do. And He is sure to take care of you and I. Will you trust Him for that? He that spared not His only Son but delivered him up for us all how shall he not with him also freely give us all things what a wonderful bunch of promises the child of god has this morning there's a detail in this there's there's something very grieving and very Dreaded, but but it's the truth, so we must share it. It must be said. And there is a Christian, very possibly a Christian, here today. And as you are, you cannot rest on these promises. Not as you are. There, there may be an ongoing sin that has been chosen and not let go of. God takes care of His child in His will. You'll find that all throughout the Bible. To turn, if there's neglect of God and there's love of the world, then, then, then Christian, you need, to, you need to turn back to the Lord fully and turn away from those things that are robbing you of being blessed by these promises. But there's very possibly one here that has never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior for the forgiveness of their sins. Born again, the Holy Spirit of God coming to live within the believer. That, that hasn't happened to you. Jesus Christ is, is known of, but He is not your Lord and Savior. Your greatest need is that you might have your need of the forgiveness of sins come about in your life. The only way it's going to happen, it's not by faithfulness to the church, it's not by baptism, it's not by the very best that you and I could possibly do. All of that would would neglect and try to minimize our Lord Jesus Christ and Him dying on the cross, being buried and raised again off that cross no, and, and ascending to heaven... Uh, Accomplishing and completing the sacrifice that was made for all of our sins. Have you trusted in Him by faith? Has faith been born in your heart? Has the power of the gospel been received by you? The death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. The good news of the gospel. Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Because that is is the most important promise that you need first. That will not be forgiven when one stands before God. When you talk to people in the world, forgiveness becomes their favorite word, but they don't want to attach anything to it, just forgiveness, okay? That will not be forgiven before God one day to reject Jesus Christ. Do you know? Do you know that you know that you know that you've trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? You need that promise, and then you can enter into, with the people of God, this precious promise of having all your needs met in this life. With everyone standing, let us go to the Lord in a word of prayer. As, as all God's people are praying here and giving God His time, maybe with one of His children, maybe with someone that's going to become a child of God today, let us pray. Most kind and gracious, most holy Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you this morning. We want to praise you, dear God for being able to gather together to worship Your holy name, Lord. I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for what Jesus has had to share with us this morning, dear God, that we would not focus on those things that are unstable, that will obviously bring worry and doubt, but in You, secure in You, and standing on a sure foundation with our focus on the things of eternity, Father, You rid us of this horrible disease. You rid us of this worry. Dear God. One should definitely be worried today. If they do not have the peace. Of eternal life. A false religion needs to be cast away today. And a relationship needs to take place. Personally. With Jesus. Lord if one would trust in Jesus as Savior. Have your way with your people. In this time. in Jesus.